Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is live from my office. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. May I add, you look really nice today. Uh, no, you did not click on the wrong podcast. This is live from my office. I am not Steve Cochran, no. Uh, but I know him pretty well. I'm Ross Cochran, and I am the producer of this program. And for the next couple of weeks, you are stuck with me. How did Steve get fired from his own podcast? You might ask. But he actually didn't get fired this time. He is actually having a full right knee replacement because he believes that it's never too late to follow your dreams and he will be pursuing his lifelong dream of joining the Rockettes as soon as he's able. I'm pulling for you, Pops. But while he's out, it doesn't mean that you're not going to hear from him. We're going to be airing some of our favorite conversations that we've had in the two seasons of Live from My Office. And today, you're going to hear from Chicago Police Superintendent David Brown. Superintendent David Brown has been on the podcast twice now. So you're going to hear the conversation that we've, you're going to hear the conversation that we first aired on January 6th of this year. And really, though, it's a timely conversation. My dad and Chief David Brown discuss the future of Chicago and how they both see the police being able to help shape what this city can ultimately become. But what you're going to hear most of all in this conversation is two people who are actually listening to each other. And no matter where you fall on any sort of political spectrum or any sort of tension associated with dealing with the police or not, I hope that you follow the example that Chief David Brown sets in this podcast by just listening and paying attention. Let's just agree to start from there. So thank you for listening. We will get to that conversation with David Brown right after the break. The title sponsor of Live from My Office is David Hochberg and Team Hochberg, part of Homeside Financial. You can buy a home or refinance at 855-563-2843. That's 855-56-DAVID or go to 56david.com. When you go to the website, you can request a free quote right there. And I can tell you from knowing how they do their business, your job gets a whole lot easier. Just go through that extra step, get them the documents they need, and they will deliver money as in savings to you in a way you didn't think was possible. And there you go. You could check that off your stress list of things you should have done by now. Uh, the refinance process with Team Hochberg is as good as it gets. And all the members of Team Hochberg <laughs> just want to save you money. And they do it all the time. They've done it for me and for my family. And uh, for people I've worked with through the years, um, they are what they uh, claim to be. It's David Hochberg, Homeside Financial, an equal housing lender, NMLS number 1124061. It is a uh, pleasure uh, to once again welcome to Live from My Office, uh, Chicago Police Superintendent David Brown. Uh, The best of the holidays to you, sir. Thank you, Steve, and the same to you and your listeners. Thank Uh, you so much. By by the way, uh, what do you you get the police superintendent for Christmas? Are you hard to shop for? I'm actually very hard to shop for because there's some rules that you can't uh, gift me up. So you can't report to me and gift me as a rule. You know, you don't want any uh, ethical lapses or transactional gifts. You know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah so I'm yeah, hard yeah. to shop for. Yeah, I suppose so. Uh, but, uh, you know, we men, we're always, uh, 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 there's complaints about us being hard to shop for. But when you have your family, you have everything. So what else do you need? Well, uh, I'm a Texas guy, so this is really cold to me. And I know this is just the beginning. So heavy socks. 
you know, a little bit of uh, extra layers of uh, <laughs> underwear and yeah. like that. Yeah. <laughs> That's that Dallas blood. Not completely gone yet, is it? No, not at all. This is something to get used to. All right. So listen, you and I talked over the summer and you were cautiously optimistic as I about the city that I love and that you're growing to love, you're probably already there, and that's Chicago. And I, I do love love Chicago. I really do. I, I would argue that you got this job in April at just about the toughest time you could possibly get. I mean, the stuff that's happened is crazy. Between COVID and the tragedy of George Floyd and the riots, um, I, you, you got to be a tired man. You know, 2020 really has been a year like no other year in our, in our country's history. It's really seriously a perfect storm of events not just the pandemic and george floyd's uh murder on videotape but the you know the reckoning around race in this country that you know you know has really included policing but other industries and people uh, have expressed uh their anger in various ways but uh a year like no other Really, you're like no other. Yeah, and and uh, as an African American man leading uh, this police force, one of the biggest cities in the world. What do you have? Thirteen thousand uh, cops. Thirteen thousand. Yeah, second largest in the country. Yeah, and uh, I, I think you know me well enough to know what a supporter I am, and people just don't have any clue what it takes to get up every day and do this job. But part of the respect I have for your men and women and what you've done for your whole career is you get up, you do it, you don't bitch. Um, maybe you need to bitch a little more. Maybe, uh, maybe, maybe the public <laughs> yeah. needs to uh, have a better understanding how hard this gig is. Well, let me, let me, on that same note, let's talk about what's happened this year as it relates to violence. Number right. one, uh, obviously homicides are up 50, over 50%. Uh, shootings are up over 50%. But officers shot at or shot are up 300% That's this year. It's unbelievable. We've had 79 officers shot at or shot. That's a 300% increase over last year. Um, and I would argue speaks to the courage and bravery of our officers to run toward danger uh, during the most challenging time in policing history. And a challenge, a lot of it comes from this fact that we live in a world now where everybody thinks they have the answer because they have a phone with a camera on it. You know, uh, there's a lot of focus on body cams, and that's fair. I think you were one of the leading guys in the country when you were running the Dallas Department for those years to try to have more police accountability. But how do yeah, you... Yeah, I think what body cams will do, obviously, you show your flaws, but more, more prominently, it'll show all the great committed, dedicated work that our officers do day in and day out, more so than it will show flaws. I think we all have to accept that we are human and we make mistakes. But the vast majority of officers uh, caught on videotape, you'd be very proud of uh, their behavior. But how do you how do you do your job? How do you create the law and order we all allegedly want to live in? I know I do. Um, in a world where everybody's got a camera and everybody's got editing software and they can make the picture be anything they want and five minutes later it's on Facebook. I think one of the things you have to do is uh, not just depend on uh, mainstream media to tell the great story of what police do for this country. I think you have to be in the social media space uh, very aggressively telling the great work, telling the story of the great work that officers do day in and day out. You can't be silent. And I, I would encourage our silent majority of, of supporters for law enforcement to do the same, that the loud voices often drown out uh, the silent majority. And we just ought to be in that space 
of social media, uh, very aggressively telling the great news of what police officers do for this country. Yeah, and I know, and you certainly know, but I know in some of the toughest neighborhoods in Chicago, there's folks that uh, the best part of their day is when they see a cop on their corner or whatever, so they can just live their lives. I'd love to see the CPD start telling those stories and let the people in the neighborhood say, listen, I am so glad these guys are here. Yeah, we have many, not not just the pastors of, in the faith community in, in, in the communities of color, but you have many uh, people who are victims of crime that are saved by these officers uh, running toward danger uh, when no one else will come. I, I, I just, I, I put it this way, you know, Chicago police officers are still make house calls. Right. Uh, not many other parts of government will make a house call when you call, and, and we're the last uh, best uh, service for our citizens, for our residents when they need help. You know, I'm glad you brought that up because there's analytics for everything now. And you're, you're a, a sports fan and, and, and I've talked about sports forever and analytics are everywhere. And statistics in the police department can bog you down or they can lift you up. You know, I mean, I I'd, could easily make the argument that Chicago was a more violent city in the 70s and the 80s and the 90s than it is today. Yeah. But do you see the improvement, maybe not as fast as you want it, but do you see the improvement going in the right direction? If you just go ahead and accept that this year was, uh, what it, because we had a pandemic, is an outlier year and, and not uh, consistent with what's happened over the many years uh, since the 70s, 80s, and 90s, you, you will see a, a, a continued decline. Uh, this year, because of COVID, you know, our judges, jailers, and jurors have slowed to a crawl, and it really has been crippled by COVID-19. And COVID-19 is also compounding negative impacts on community policing and, and violence interrupters. So if you if you just are able to set that aside and look at 2020 for what it is, a year like no other, but look at the great work uh, reducing violent crime in this city, uh, I, I would still be encouraged that we are, once we get past the vaccine, we're on the right trajectory. And it's a hard, probably an unfair question to ask because of COVID and because the city is, it's not locked down, but the city is not what it should be on any given day of the year. Um, but is Chicago a safe place to be now, you know, as of today? I would argue, but for the pandemic's impact on the criminal justice system, the courts primarily, um, we, we would have a different conversation about violence in this city. Uh, no one can control this pandemic. This pandemic has raged for well over nine, going on 10 months now, and, and it seems we're in the worst of it. Uh, but if you set that aside, uh, if you can, I mean, many people can't look past the current events and look at, you know, the increase in homicides uh, as a failure. But I would argue, you know, but for cops running toward danger, we will be in much worse circumstances. And a lot of this, maybe all of it, is about trust and communication. The stuff that worked for you in Dallas, have you been able to bring those programs in and get them instituted here as craziest as year has been, or is that going to take a little longer? Well, we're seven months in, but we have started the process of implementing uh, a strategic plan that includes building trust as a linchpin uh, to fighting crime, reducing crime. Because you need the trust of the community. I think when the community fails to have trust in government overall, I, th I think it hurts the community much more uh, than, than any, any place else. Because 
we need the community members to trust us, to give us tips and clues, to tell us uh, what can, we can do to be preventive of violence. So, so we, we have to do the things uh, that build on trust, that build bridges. And uh, again, we just can't do it alone, Steve. We just can't. No, in in uh, things like the old no snitch policy, there's been there's been less of that, I think, right? Well, we we are starting to see a little glimpse of people coming forward. We had a couple of incidents where the community stood up and and pushed back against uh, all the negativity with protests and and said, "Not in my community." We had a horrific young person killed, uh, and the community came forward and gave us information that broke the case, and we were able to bring. Uh, the offender to justice. So we're starting to see some glimpses. We got a long way to go in this area, Steve. Uh, uh, there's been quite the no stitching uh, narrative, and we've just got to push through it and talk about uh, our victims much more than we talk about our offenders and their rights. Because of the prominence of your position, um, you get covered at a level that a lot of people who um, you know are in your position don't. Size of the city, the fact that it's Chicago, Chicago's history, all of those things. And you know from politics, I know you're assistant city manager in Dallas, you understand that side of it as well. And you got to somehow do a hybrid thing where you're working both sides to get the job done. Are the politics of Chicago, the infamous politics of Chicago and the state of Illinois helping, hurting, or you don't know yet? It, it's a challenge, to be quite honest with you. Uh, it's, it's much different than I'm familiar with. Um, I, I really think that I have to work within the combines of the political landscape. Uh, I, I have to win friends and influence people to do things maybe outside their normal way of thinking about criminal justice. Uh, and there, I think the story is untold about how effective I can be at navigating the political uh, landscape here. It, it's it's quite different, and there's deep relationships as well. Uh, and I, I just wouldn't assume in seven months that I can build strong relationships. Uh, I would argue a little bit more time. I'm committed to it, but a little bit more time is needed to maybe push through some, some thoughts that I have regarding criminal justice. Uh, one, number one being... I've made some headway on electronic monitoring. I complained about that for my first several months here that this program is broken. We need a real electronic monitoring program if we're going to do this. And the sheriff uh, has got on board. We've uh, got some collaboration between electronic monitoring and everyone going on to uh, a GPS system rather than a free-for-all system that we were had no monitoring. Uh, to where we're actually able to collaborate with the sheriff on electronic monitoring. Is that part of uh, what we need for prison reform, too, that we have proper monitoring so we're not just housing people because we got nothing else we can do? Yeah, proper monitoring. And I think we need to have a more robust uh, risk assessment of people we think should be on the street versus who should be incarcerated. Right. Uh, I, I don't advocate mass incarceration, but I think a risk assessment of people who would harm the community if they released uh, should be more robust than it is now. So I'm going to be trying to uh, obviously win friends and influence people in, in the area of risk assessment of who gets released. We were talking about uh, politics. Now, you got an FOP head who is making a lot of noise by saying a lot of controversial things. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and say that he has his, uh, his, his rank and file in his best interest, but I think he needs to prove that as well. Um, what, what, what's the status of the folks at work for you morale-wise and belief-wise? 
are they on the team? It's the one thing, and I would roll in officer wellness with the politics of, of just police officers in the city and the FOP. Uh, it's my primary goal uh, to ensure that I celebrate these these officers and, and the hard work. Uh, and I've got to be their number one cheerleader. Uh, and, and there's no conflict with me holding those accountable that don't do the job right and bragging about the vast majority that do. Uh, and and I'm, I'm actually a proud cheerleader for cops who do the job right. And I'm, uh, again, celebrating their great bravery and courage. We can't do that enough. Uh, and, I, and I would just, you know, ask your listeners, anytime you see a police officer, uh, please say a kind word. Thank them for their service. It goes a long way and uh, continuing to have these people risk their lives for us. Yeah, and I would say so, and that's no small thing. No, and more now than ever, just a, a thank you is a big deal. Um, but there's another hurdle here in Chicago, which, uh, look, I know this stuff's important, and I believe that COPA is well intended, but the Citizens Office of Police Accountability, um, they're not cops. And that's a good thing and a bad thing. It's a good thing because they have outside perspective to bring in, but it also can be a bad thing because they can get in the way of doing the job. How do you balance what COPA is trying to do with what you're trying to do? I actually been been talking with the mayor about this. You know, delayed investigations are just wrought with conspiracy theories. We COPA's got to get with it and and, and and get these investigations concluded. These these officers are kept lingering. Um, it, it, it doesn't speak to accountability because it's so delayed. Uh, I, I would just push uh, for any kind of fast-track investigation, particularly the high-profile. Um, again, I would love to include uh, more collaboration with COPA. I understand the need for oversight. I really do understand the history here. Uh, but, uh, again, the, this, these long delays in investigations are just not helpful at all. It just speaks to what we already are in a, a conspiratorial kind of climate in this country it just adds to that now, now the public is entitled to know when things are problematic but i would argue we're not entitled to know when it violates due process in an investigation and it seems like we want it both ways do you have that sense or not yeah you know I, I, we are a nation of laws so due process has to be at the forefront of everything we do I say it this way, you don't want to treat have, treat your officers one way and then demand that they treat the citizens another way. Right. So if you want officers to treat people with respect, you have to treat officers with respect and give them their due process while still holding firm to hold them accountable when they make a mistake. But you can't, um, you know, be, be on your high horse with everything's got to be done right in one uh, area and then when it comes to officers, we break every due process rule to, to to get our you know revenge. That's just not helpful at all. It doesn't encourage people uh, in any way that things are fair. So we, I, I would just argue, let's be fair to everyone. Let's still hold officers accountable, but let's be fair. Um, I think that people, if they take a step back, they have a sense of this. And I feel very badly about what happened to Anjanette Young. It was a story that CBS2 uh, made a very big deal in the past couple of weeks about uh, an arrest in a wrong house. Um, right. A couple of things here. How does that happen? Um, does it happen a lot? And how do you avoid it happening? I mean, are those easy answers at all? They're not easy answers. This is two years ago, nearly two years ago, 
Um, so long before I was on the job, but I will just say this, I've accepted that it's my responsibility to fix it. Um, one of the things that uh, search warrants uh, have to do is they have to have very strong oversight, uh, not just depending on uh, the criminal justice process because the judge signs the warrants. It, it's internally within CPD, we have to have strong oversight. You can't have everyone serving search warrants. Uh, and when you go to the wrong house because you know, mistakes are going to happen because you're utilizing informants that might point you toward a house they think this guy's in and it's the guy's moved and someone else moved in. I mean, it could be various reasons. I'm just talking broadly, not Miss Young's case, but uh, you have to have strong oversight and you just admit your mistakes. It, it just be the first to admit your mistakes and apologize. Um, and, and don't try to hide anything you've done. Uh, I, I would argue that it's the cover up more than anything that causes uh, people to really be upset with um, what what happened here. Yeah, the cover-up is always worse than the crime. Um, yep. And in the case of, of Anjanette Young, <clears throat> pardon me, my throat's a little froggy, I guess, from the holidays, but uh, in the case of Ms. Young, um, a lot's been made of the fact that she was handcuffed naked in her house and it was the wrong house. It's a horrible situation. I get that. I really do, and I feel terribly for her. But this also goes to... When we in the media report the number of shots that are fired in a situation, a police officer is trained to neutralize the situation that they believe they're in first. Yes. Well, let's let's make sure we're careful with this uh, segue to officer safety. Um, When you're in the wrong house, uh, there ought to be some supervisory oversight that begins to recognize this is not a violent place. And then you should switch over to uh, making sure you do everything you can to respect the people in the house. Uh, Even if Miss Young's house was the right house, Steve, I would argue you allow her to get dressed. Even if it's the right house. Right, 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 right. So I, I would push back a little on the narrative of officer safety and you got to do these things this way. Uh, I, I would argue that if, if Miss Young is the biggest criminal in Chicago, you let her get dressed. So I, I, I just don't have the, the thoughts of, you know, officer safety being a blank check to treat anyone any kind of way. Well, that's good to hear. And, and I wasn't going down that road, but I certainly appreciate the clarity and the explanation because it does feel like there should be time and somebody, maybe a senior officer on any detail, who can say, hold on, hold on. Yeah. Let her get dressed. Or this is not, you know, is it what we thought it was. Or maybe we need to double check this or that. But, you know, mixing right. that obviously is the safety of the situation as well for for everybody involved um I, I, we're gonna run out of time quickly here and i know you got a lot to do but and i know you're not all that fond of talking about you but i think understanding and communication uh and knowing who you are is a big part of this as well and we talked about this a little bit in the in the spring but you you know you got training in counterterrorism. i know you worked at the fbi the secret service on some training as well um yes. you went through a horrible situation in dallas where five of your officers were killed a ton of officers were wounded, were wounded as well. But you've had tons of personal tragedy that I don't think people yep. understand. You lost a partner, you lost a brother, you lost your son, all to violence. And yep. I, I don't know, I, I, 
What's kept you in the game? Why continue to do this? I mean, thank you for doing it, but why continue to do it when you've been through so much yourself? Well, I, I have this very strong personal faith. I'm, I'm not ashamed to say I'm a Christian, Steve. And I have a strong personal faith, uh, and I, I just have this North Star. I, I, I know strongly from the way I was raised, uh, right from wrong, and I feel like I can contribute to a city like Chicago in steering the ship in the right direction. And I'm, I'm, I'm really uh, am humbled to have this opportunity, and, and uh, I'm deeply committed to this city, and I, and I hope it shows. I hope that. You know, in the end, people look at my tenure and and will say, you know, he he did Chicago right, uh, and and then that that's really the reward I, that I, I'm hoping for at some point. Last question, quick two parter here, but it's important for uh, cops that are listening, who are have heard this or heard about it and are listening now. What do you want them to know from you? What would you like to say to any officer uh, listening now? Uh, thank you for 2020. Thank you for enduring. Uh, you're my heroes, and I believe strongly history will look back on 2020 and and say, along with healthcare workers, uh, first responders, help save this democracy. A hundred percent. And what do you want to say to the citizens, some of which might be skeptical about what's getting done? What's the message to the public? We're here to serve you, and it's been a tough year, but we're we're all in this together. And you have a committed, dedicated, and brave and courageous police police uh, department uh, at your service. Say thank you when you can. Speak up if there's if you think there's something wrong. Make the call. Uh, you don't have to give up your name if you're concerned right. about your anonymity. But never, ever, ever uh, avoid that sense inside you that you need a police officer. Pick up that phone. Make the call, Superintendent Brown. I really appreciate the time. I think it's an important message to get out. I hope we can do it again, and I look forward to a yes. 2021 that's better for all of us. So stay safe. Happy New Year to you, Steve, and to your listeners. All Take the best. Care. Thanks, man. Thank you for listening to Live from My Office, a service of Monkey Run Productions. All rights reserved. The podcast is hosted by Steve Cochran and it's mixed, edited, and produced by me, Ross Cochran. Support the show by subscribing wherever you're listening and by telling your friends about it. Follow Steve on all social media channels, including Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. And make sure you check out this episode's show notes for relevant information discussed during the conversations. You can also email the show directly at thecochranshow at gmail.com with any questions or comments. And that's the best place to tell us about your favorite nonprofit so we can make sure we mention them on the next episode. Steve is available for corporate speaking gigs. He would love to emcee your event. And occasionally, he's funny. Thank you for listening. Head to CochranShow.com for more.